Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. It is good to be back. Listen, last Sunday was actually our first Sunday back. And um, a lot of people were finishing vacation. And people are still doing that. As we get going in August, uh, I think people will start rolling back in. But uh, it, I'm so, I, it feels so good when people are like, Pastor, hey, where you been? And rather than, why you back? <laughs> so so I, I do appreciate that. That's always fun. There's something about consistency that makes us feel some stability. You know, it's like when your kids uh, have picked a service, you picked a service, and you drop them off, and Miss So-and-so isn't there. And they're like, this is not my class. You're like, this is actually your class. I don't even know if Jesus is going to be preached today. You know, Because my teacher's not there who teaches me about Jesus, and there's an imposter there today. You know, and so we all like consistency, unless it is the preseason of football, um, and you're the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we have been relentlessly consistent in preseason. Uh, we always lose really bad. So I, just one time, I want to put 70 points on the board during preseason and scare everybody. Like, what now? Dynasty is back, baby. Uh, so, um, uh, but, but I will tell you that school is getting started. Rhythms are going to become more consistent. And I would encourage you to be here. To be here. To go back, to listen to the first part of this series that we're starting called Push Back. Um, I think this, it's hard to build consistency when we're hit and miss. And I, and I just want to challenge us as we're going into a new season to make church an essential rhythm in your life. Sometimes you're going to come to church and hear exactly what you need to hear. I, this last, when we got out of this last service, four people stopped me and were like, did someone text you? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know, and people text me all the time. And they're like, you talked about exactly what we were talking about yesterday. And I'm like, boom. <laughs> you know, and so that's the Lord. He, he knows what's going on with you. You know what I'm saying? Your wife ain't texting me. Your husband ain't like, here's what I need the sermon to be about. Your kids aren't like, my parents crazy. You know, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. So sometimes it's revelation. And it's like, okay, like you're, you're right where I'm at. Sometimes you're reminded. It ain't revelation. When, as a parent, when we tell our kids to operate in what they already know, we're reminding them. It's not an epiphany goes on and all of a sudden they're like, oh, you clean my room? Sometimes we got to be reminded because we get distracted on a lot of other things. And when we come to church, we understand what is really important. So sometimes it's revelation and sometimes it's reminding. Either one we both need. So don't ever take a reminder as some less revelation because the truth of the matter is we all need to be reminded to do what God has called us to do. Is that good? For us, uh, we're in a series called Push Back. Push Back. And I just need you to know that we are in a spiritual fight, a spiritual battle. Okay, and so listen, if your idea of Jesus is he's sweet, contained, 
um, regimented. He is the nicest. My Jesus is the nicest person in the world. Then I need you to know that just like in the Old Testament, when they wanted to make images and try to figure out who God was, even in your own life, you figured out who God is, but that's not who God is. And, and Jesus is powerful and compassionate. Jesus' goal wasn't to be nice. He was to help people. Does that make sense? And so I just think that in our culture, this idea of being nice and, and having all of our kids be nice and be nice. No, no, no. We want them to have compassion. We want them to help people. But we do not want them living under the pressure of everybody has to like me. Because everybody's not. We, we are under a king that leads and he loves, but the goal isn't to be nice. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. That's why we're in a spiritual battle. When, when we say that, come on, that, that'll always get amen. So yes, he will. Yes, he will, pastor. You preach that. Okay, but I'm talking... To you, I'm not talking to them. I'm not talking to the people sitting to the left or right of you. Look at me. I'm, not ta I'm talking about you who is struggling in marriage. I'm talking about you who's struggling with where you're at in life. I'm talking about you who's struggling with identity. I'm talking about you who's struggling with purpose. I'm talking about you who's having a hard time getting out of bed to, to, every day. Like I'm talking about, come on, I'm talking about where you're at and what does he want to steal, kill, and destroy? What does the enemy want to do? He wants to steal. Our freedom in Christ. See, we've been set free, and the devil wants to say, you ain't free. You ain't never going to get, hey, that bottle ain't never going to. You ain't never getting over that porn. You never get, you, you don't have freedom in Christ. And every revelation that you thought you received, I'm going to steal that, and I'm going to challenge, because the revelation is here, but who you are is here, and I'm always going to amplify who you are so that you never fully digest what God is. And so I'm coming to steal from you. I'm going to kill you. I'm, I'm going to kill. What was he, was he killing? He's, a, he's like wanting to fight us? No, we know he, he's wanting to kill the purpose that you were created for. Like there's a God assignment on your life and he is wanting to kill that, crush that. So that you can never break out, help anybody, better anybody, never be a light, never do. He wants to kill your purpose. And then he wants to destroy. Well, what does he want to destroy? He wants to destroy the Holy Spirit's active work in your life. Yeah. And so when we say kill, steal, and destroy, this is the scheme. The, the thing that the enemy is trying to do. And, and here's the things that we have to battle. We have to battle our natural flesh and sin. Natural flesh, okay? We are inherently not good people. We are in inherently selfish. You get two children together and give them one candy bar and see if they have a sharing contest. They will not. You know what I'm saying? Someone's coming off the top rope doing the WWE. Bam! You better give me my Kit Kat. You know, I mean, that's just... that When you get a husband and wife... Very rarely when there's a moment of challenge, are, are they like, no, 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 you're right. I can totally see your perspective. I was blind to that. And I know that your motives are totally pure. And everything that you're saying doesn't have a bottom line. And I appreciate that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Good. 
That's not it. When there's an argument, we're like, stand your ground, get your points, think it through, and then fire. Come on. For us, God wants to do an active work in our life, but we're going to have to trust him. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your understanding. Here's what that means. As smart as you are. I know you number one in your family. I know that, come on, you're the sister, you're the brother, you're the child. You're, you're the one that's just like when you walk in, the presence of awesomeness walks in. I know that. But what this verse says is you don't think you know what you think you know. Like all that you can put together, I appreciate you know Spanish. I appreciate you got trig. You may even know Latin, but you don't know world. And God is outside of it, and he sees the end from the beginning, and he's like, listen, don't come with just how you think it is, but trust me, let me lead you, and I will direct you to a straight path. Come on, here's what I need to let some of you know. Some of you where your faith is on life support and you feel like the church is boring, there is past. There's not dead ends. In other words, God has a continual motion for you and you can keep going. And the scars and the brokenness and the moment that hurts you did not end you. And God has more for you, come on, than where you're currently at. I appreciate the fact that God has more for me and that I have not in my seven years of Bible study and church attendance amassed all that there is. There is still more. There's still more. That's why discipleship for us is not a class, it's a lifestyle. Because God's still working things in and out of our life. There's a God assignment on your life. You may not know it. You may try to shake it, but it is there. Surging through your veins is incredible design, purpose, and gifting. You are one of a kind. Your thumbprint is uniquely created to make an imprint on your family. Come on. Your church, this church, your business, your employment. You, you are supposed to take that unique design and make an imprint. Come on. But we got a battle. See, that's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus because the enemy schemes with our nature. Our nature is to want selfishness. Our nature is to be first. Our nature is to talk, not to listen. Our, our, our nature is to come on. That, that, our na- and so the schemes of the enemy tempt our nature to move away from the things that God has for us. That is why salvation is important. See, we needed an intervention. You know what I'm saying? Like we needed a moment. We required a savior who would deliver us from the snares of the enemy and transform us into something new, different, and better. If you've accepted Jesus as your personal savior, then you, I want you to know today, look at me, you have the power to push back. You don't have to just take every thought that floods your mind. 
Oh, I guess I'm not. I guess they're not. I guess we'll never be. I guess we'll never have. I guess our kids are just going to, I guess the culture, I guess America, I guess the love, before you know it, you're flooded. Come on, anybody had a pre-argument? Anybody know about pre-arguments? Pre-arguments is there's actually not an argument, but you're getting ready for an argument because you perceive there's an argument, then you rehearse the argument, and then you're already mad. Come on, anybody do that? Like you're already mad. You're getting hype. Eye of the Tiger is playing. You're like, let's go. Oh, oh man, I'm ready. And so, and, and then, like, you're stopping at Walmart before you go to the car dealership. You're ready for the car deal. You're ready. Uh, y'all told me it was going to be ready. It ain't ready. I'm fired. I'm ready. It's all up in my bones. I'm ready to fight. Don't make me put you on Facebook. I will do it. And someone comes up and says something to you and you're like snappy. Someone says hi to you at Walmart before you go to your fight. And they're like, hey, hey. What's, what's wrong with you? Get ready to fight. I'm going to get my car back. They blame it on COVID. They say there's no metal. Somebody's got metal. And we get pre-fight. Here's the deal. All we've done is meditate the wrong thing for a long time. Could it be that we are meditating the wrong thing in our relationships and your relationship is heading wrong because you've been thinking? Could it be that you actually love your kids so much you've overcompensated for fear and you're trying to bring them close, but what you're really doing is pushing them up? Hear what I'm saying? 2 Timothy tells us, chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Like, if I can get that from the Lord, if I can get power to overcome any obstacle, if I can walk in love when my first thought is to want to hate, and then ultimately, if my mind can be sound and not confused and full of toxic things that keep me immovable, Listen, my assignment today is you're going to have to choose love over fear. You're going to have to choose love, or all, love over fear. There will always be a new report. Listen to what I'm saying. A new season, a new adversity that will cause you to fear. And I know every man here is like, I'm scared of nothing. I'm scared. And I appreciate that because at, at our church, we want, listen, we want to have man church. Okay? That doesn't mean that we're against ladies, but we are for men. But even the most masculine man that you can bench a truck and you literally take logs to the face every day, you still have fear. There are things that are in us that God wants to come on, free us. The Bible tells us that over and over again, not to fear. In fact, there are estimations that say that there are over 365 times in the Bible, do not fear. Isn't that crazy? It's like one for every day of the week. Every, every day. Every day. There, there's a verse, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. I remember when my kids were um, uh, young and the thunder would crack in a storm. 
And I'm talking about shake the house. And it wasn't just any time before we heard the, like a herd of elephants. And, and, you know, in those moments, they never open the door and go, hello. Are y'all good? They slam open the, you made more noise than the thunder. Now I'm scared of you. They come and ah, jump in the bed. Ah. Well, what did, what did they do? From, from the youngest age, one of the ways that we dispel fear is we run to the place where fear scatters. We run to love. We, we, we run to a place. Now, here's the, the funny thing is I could do nothing about the thunder. Like, you think you're safe up in here? <laughs> I... <laughs> You know, and so I never had that logical thought like, it's still thundering. But they felt like they were safe and they felt like they were secure and they they felt like there was protection. And here's what I need you to know. God is not like us. God is safe. He is secure. He can take care of the storms in our life. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Our Heavenly Father is a place to run to when it's scary. When it looks bad, when it feels bad, when it feels dark. Now, I get it. If you're not a believer, I'm I'm not throwing shade and this is not a old school turn and burn hell, whatever. But I am just telling you based on the Bible, if if you're not a believer, then I understand why you're very scared. For those watching online, if you're just scrolling by and this caught your attention and you really have no relationship with the Lord, I get it. I get why you're scared. I get why you're, 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 you're really um, in a place of fear. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're not a believer, you have absolutely no control. You have absolutely no assurances. And you have absolutely no security. And that would make anybody scared. See, for a believer, the, we read the Bible. That's why the Bible is so important. And it's not a, just a religious textbook, but it's actually something to help you, you, you navigate your thinking. The Bible says that Jesus is an anchor. He's the source. He's the fulfillment. He's the king. He's the light. He's the son of God. And he himself is the way. So for us, it's like... Uh, yo, when we're like, what's going on? We look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, here's the kicker that I want to spend time walking this thought through. If you are in fear, fear is actually a spirit. The Bible communicates it as the spirit of Fear, just like God is spirit and God is love. So there is a spirit of love. Does that make sense? Am I breaking this down? And a spirit of fear. You are under one or the other all the time. There is no neutrality. There's no, well, I don't want to, I'm not really that, but I'm not really that. You are, you have a motivation of one or the other. Can I submit to you this? That you can actually come to church and be in church for seven years, leave disgruntled because you feel like none of your prayers have been answered and that God really has not moved in your life. 
And the reason that it happened is because the motivation was wrong. See, it was not my motivation was to allow the Lord to change my life by submitting to him. My motivation was, oh my gosh, I don't want to be like my parents, so I'm going to come to church, and I don't want my kids to get pregnant out of wedlock, and I don't want this, and I don't want to be on drugs, and I don't want this, and I don't want that. So I'm actually coming to church based on what I don't want, which is all out of fear, and so I'm wondering why God's not moving in my life, because my motive is off. Does that make sense? I'm actually coming for me. I'm not coming for him. Come on, does this make sense? And so, and so it is, it is, that's why Jesus was always, hey, check your motive, check your motive, check your motive, check your motive. Are you in fear? Are you in love? Are you in fear? Are you in love? Because if you're in fear, I can't do anything. But if you're in love and you believe me and you think that I can actually do this, then I can actually move where you never thought I could move. Many of us grew up in fear. And so let me just give you this quick definition. Fear drives self-protection. It says, I must protect myself at all cost. Love drives spiritual security. And it says, my God shall supply, come on, help me, all of my needs. Go ahead. All right, we got it. So, so love drives differently than fear. Okay, so when we say the word fear, we either are the Google people that know the 7,000 fears in the world. You know what I'm saying? Or we're so simplistic that we think fear is just one random emotion. But the reality is when I talk to people in business, when I talk to people in leadership, when I talk to dads, when I talk to moms, when I talk to people raising their kids, when I begin to help people walk through hurdles in their spiritual life, I have found that there are seven fears that people really deal with. Here they are. The fear of insignificance. The fear of abandonment. The fear of being unknown. The fear of betrayal. The fear of rejection. The fear of failure. And the fear of punishment. And these fears motivate the decisions that we make. And if we're not careful... We will be motivated out of the spirit of fear that quenches what God, listen, wants to do in our life. 1 John chapter 4 verse 18 says, there is no fear in, come on, say it, love. Come on, we're going to do it again. Come on, come on, for the audience, come on, for the, for the people. There, listen, we're going to say this again. Listen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
So what that means is, I'm still being perfected, Nathan. I'm still being perfected. I'm still, I'm still being perfected. Does that mean I'm still, that's why I'm reading the Bible. That's why I'm coming to church. That's why I'm saying amen. That's why I'm taking notes. That's why I'm not sitting through church going, this is so boring. Because I'm still being perfected. Because I don't want fear to live in my life. I don't want to pass fear to my kids. I don't want kids to walk around on eggshells thinking if dad's happy or dad's not happy. Come on, y'all need to hear what I'm saying. I'm still being perfected. So as long as I'm here. I'm going to be working on my mind, my soul, and my heart. Y'all should have given me something on that. Put them together. Come on. God is love. And he is wanting to reprogram what we project to other people. We can project fear, causing us to fight, flight, or freeze. And some of you who maybe you've had counseling or whatever, that, that, like, these are the three, three major things that we do and we respond when we're in fear. Okay, what is fight? We stand up and fight and we demand control and we're going to figure it out and we're going to harness it and we're going to grab it. Come on. What is flight? We run. We run away. I'm not going to have this conversation. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not. And the reason is because we have a fear they're not going to listen or we're not going to say it intelligently enough or we're not going to be able to get all of our thoughts together. So I'm not going to even have this conversation. I'm going to run away with it because I'm scared that you may not give me the benefit of the doubt and you'll misinterpret my motive. So I'm going to. Is this true? Come on, help me. Or we freeze and we are total. We're just. We don't move. It's like we're paralyzed. And so people are like, hey, what, what decision are we going to make? What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And I'm just paralyzed. And so I'm, I, I find myself in a vast moment where all I'm doing is, is capitulating and talking and thinking and theorizing. And, and, and I think that because I do a lot of thinking that I'm actually doing a lot of movement. But I'm not doing anything. I'm frozen. And so God wants to come in, listen, and he wants us to live above our problems. He wants us to continue to be salt and light. He wants us to run to the place, listen, where fear scatters. And as we think about this, I'm not at all saying that there aren't moments where it gets heavy. I'm not saying there are moments where it doesn't get hard. I'm not saying there are moments that you don't feel like you're sinking. And I'm certainly not saying there aren't moments that you are sinking. Like I am sinking in a wave pool of a lot of junk. And I'm going down. But here's what I'm telling you. Is that how you respond in the moment of struggle determines your level of victory. How you respond in the moment of struggle will determine your level of victory. The Bible tells us that we can cry out, that we can cry out to the Lord. Let me put all this into perspective as we read this one verse. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Are you with me? All right, here we go. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he had dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed the crowd, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. 
In the fourth hour, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. That's funny. Y'all didn't laugh, but it's still, it's still kind of funny. Like, how many ghosts had they seen to know it was a ghost? That's all. Does that, does that make you, when, when your kids say something and you're like, where did that come from? And I want to analyze that thought. Like for them to go, it's a ghost. I know because, listen, we, we were out the other day and we saw like a, some. Y'all didn't think it was funny. I thought it was funny. They cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, yo, it's cool. Don't be afraid. I'm Peter answered him and said, Lord, if that's you, command me to come on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came to Jesus. Come on, big moment. But when, when, when he saw the winds and the waves, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, he cried, he cried, he cried, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hands and took hold of him and said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Then they got in the boat. And the winds stopped. Here's what I want to say. If we're going to walk in love, we're going to have to overcome fear. And I want to give you three fears that you're going to have to overcome in order to move forward in your faith. So if you've got a pen, you've got a phone, write this out. But I think there are three fears that hold Christians back. The first is this. The fear that God is distant. Like I'm tired of hearing about preachers preaching about a God that's close. But in my life, I feel like it's always been distant. And so here the disciples are sent on an assignment. They're away from security. They're in the middle of the ocean. They're not near the land. They can't jump off and just go do something else. They have been sent on assignment. And here are the waves. And, and here's the boat. And it's starting to get heavy. It's starting to get hard. It's starting to, to feel like, you know, I, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Here's what I need you to know, is that you're going to have to resist the fear, the lie that says that God is distant. God is not distant from you. God didn't send you on this assignment to leave you. God didn't try to get you going so that he could take off the hands and you ride your bike away from him and he's way back over here and you're like, gotcha. You are not alone. And here's the thing. This is why we got to read the Bible because the Bible lets us know that from the beginning of time, God has always showed up. In the very beginning, it says that God came and walked with Adam in the cool of the day. It doesn't say that Adam and Eve came to God. It says that God came to them. In other words, from the very entrance of God's story that we read, God has always been coming to us. He came to us uh, um, through prophets. He came to us through the tabernacle. He came to us. He's always been coming to us, judging, loving, helping, correcting, moving. He's always been moving his people toward freedom. Even Jesus coming from heaven to die on a cross. The fear that God is distant. And so what are the fears? 
when we believe that God is distant, the fear of abandonment, the fear of insignificance. See, see, so let's put it in real life. You got me out on the water, and I'm, I'm scared. I'm terrified. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of people here. You mean you don't care about all? You left us? Like, you're over there. I appreciate your praying. I appreciate you're over there on the shore, but I feel a bad. I'm going through something. Like, where are you at? Or the fear of insignificance. Oh, I got it. There's 700 billion people in the world, and I guess you show up for them, but you just never show up for Oh, am I, 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 maybe there's something wrong. Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe it's because of how I acted last weekend. Maybe it's because of whatever. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe you think like I'm, I'm a number 100 on the totem pole of great people of faith. And, and I'm just kind of an insignificant number. And really, you just kind of overlook me. But that is not what God says. And I need you to know today that God is not distant. God is not distant. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. And he is with you. The second fear is that God is difficult. Anybody ever thought God is difficult? Following God is difficult. It's this just difficult. What does he want me to do? What does he want me to go? What is I got all this stuff in my head and in my heart. I have no idea what my next step is. I have no idea what he wants me to do. And I just feel like he's difficult. Here is Jesus, <laughs> listen, walking on the water, and they're freaked out because they knew the history. They knew the Pentateuch. They knew when God moves, we split the water. We don't walk on it. No, no, we, we've never had a walk on water moment. Nobody's done. You're supposed to be like Elijah, and you split it, but you don't walk on it. And so now you're walking on it. We've never heard that. We've never seen that. We've never been a part of that kind of movement before. And so this is like freaking us out. And really, we're done. It's kind of, ah. And so what, fear, what fears are present? The fear of the unknown. See, I think that that's the thing that hurts the church probably more than anything. Is because we want to follow the God of the stories but we don't use the stories for the God of the future. We're not changing his nature. His nature does not change. But here is the problem is even in our political system, it's like, you know what? Well, you know, the liberals and the conservatives, and we know what side God's on. You better watch out because God will walk on the water, and you'll be in a total. Hear what I'm saying? We believe that God can do revival anywhere, anytime, all the time. And we believe that he's going to do something different and God will not be controlled. And so if your fear of the unknown is holding back the next thing that God wants to do in your life, you are actually in control, not him. See, I would turn off the TV. I would do this. I would fast. I would do this. I would tithe. But I don't know what's going to happen. And so I will only trust what I know. Well, that's why, that's why, that's why you're face small. Listen to what I'm saying. So, so let's talk about the unknown, the unknown. Jesus could have set up this moment. Why are you being so difficult? Jesus, why are you being so extra? You knew what you were going to do. 
You could have said, hey, guys, I'm going to send you on a boat. And when you get out there, it's going to be treacherous, a little treacherous. And, and, but, but right when it gets really weird, I'm going to walk on the water. You're going to say it's a ghost, but it's not a ghost. It's your boy. He could have set it up. And so a lot of us are like, I'll follow God if you tell me everything before. But the only problem is that's not faith. And you got to have faith. You got to believe that, listen, God is doing something. He's walking on the water. He's going to provide a moment. This is not difficult. I may not know the end from the beginning, but I serve the one who does, and I'm submitted to that. Come on. It's not difficult. God doesn't change. And so I know that there's been adversity in your life. I know there's been hardship. But all I'm telling you is this. Sometimes what we see as difficult is God sees as preparation. And he knew the people in the boat were going to take the gospel everywhere. And if you can't stand in the midst of a few waves, you're not going to stand when people are coming at you. See, what if you thought your situation is so terrible but God is preparing you for the next assignment in your life. You hear what I'm saying? Can I give you the third fear? I think the third fear, um, as, as we wrap this up, is probably, I think, the scariest for believers. Those who believe the Lord. Because I think that we think that this is the one that we can keep and still... Um, still grow as a Christian. And it is this, the fear that God delays his promises. See, he, here, here's the deal, is that Jesus, when he took the disciples and he asked them, hey, come be on my tribe. We'll, we'll go, we're going to go kick this. We're going we're gonna to be together. I'm going I'm, I'm to teach you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm going to whatever. That right in that moment, Jesus made a commitment, even if they were unsure of the commitment. And Jesus was fully invested when the invitation came. And God knew what he was going to do. And so, so many times, we take on this fear that the things that God has put in me, the purposes, the dreams. I've got so many things that I want to do. I've met people who want to start orphanages. I've met people who wanted to do outreach. I've met people who wanted to start a business and give proceeds to the church. I've met people that want to do so many things. But fear is holding them back. And they feel like I'm just waiting on God. And so what fears come about? Because here's the deal. Peter says, Jesus... If that's you, make me come on the uh, Tell me to come. And so Peter gets out and comes. And come on, his miracle faith moment, his passion. Woo! And then he starts to sink. He starts to sink. And in that moment, he could have said, whoa, 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 hold, time out. You told me to come and now I'm sinking? You should have foreknown I was sinking and you should have helped me before I took one dip. And that's how we deal with God. Come on, anybody ever tried to open a door and there's someone right by you and their arms are empty and yours is full 
and, and you're just looking at him like, you know to get the door, right? Like, seriously, what? let me put all this down so I can get the door. Okay, my bad. You're busy. And that's what we do with God. You should have known I was in pain. You should have known I was hurting. You should have known that loved one was, you should have known. And you didn't do, come on, what you said you were going to do. And so now I'm doubting your promises. And it leads me to doubt your power. But Jesus knew. Like I'm right here. And, and when you take your eyes off me, I need you to call out. I need you to cry out. Like, like, like here's the deal. I'm not going to navigate and manipulate your life. I want you to need me. And here's what I need to teach you, Peter, is your passion to get out of the boat is not the same thing as my power to sustain you. And way too many people, come on, have made a passion pursuit when they needed a power presence. We need the power of the Lord in our life to push back doubt, to push back confusion, to allow fear to move in Jesus' name. Isaiah 41 says this, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Come on, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so for those of you that got promises on the shelf, here's what I need you to know. God is not slow, he's sure. And God will not give you what you cannot handle. I believe one of the reasons that Peter was beginning to sink is because Peter needed to know in this supernatural moment, you're not here because of your good deeds. I'm the one that keeps you up, bro. I'm the one that keeps you on top. Not you, not your zeal, not your passion to jump out of the boat. But look, it's all me. And just like that, you can be on a great mission distracted. Just like that, you can be walking toward purpose distracted. And I am the focus. I am it. I meet so many people who want to start things, entrepreneurs, business leaders, people who want to do missions, people who want to do ministry, and they're always coming up and they're talking about their platform. Help me network. Help me build my platform. And I'm going to tell you, way before you build your platform, you need to build your altar. Because when you step to the platform, you're going to find people, you're going to find problems, you're going to find procedures, and it's going to get heavy on that platform because one day they're going to cheer you and say, you're saying so many good things, and the next day they're going to hate you because of what you say. But you need an altar. You need an altar first for us. The greatest way I can bring all this home is Yesterday was a really cool day for us because, you know, on Facebook, there's they that time hop. And nine years ago, August the 7th, 2012, Katie and I started Be The One Ministries. And, and that, that's good. And I'll explain it to you. I'll tell you what that is. Somebody like, let it in. <laughs> um, so for 20 years, we were on a staff in a church in Hot Springs. And I was adopted from a foster home. Both of us got divorced. I mean, uh, both of us had been for, from divorced families. Um, 
not the Lord. I know, I know you were like, that is not right. You're saying the wrong thing. Uh, thank you for helping me. Um, we'd both from, been from divorced families, and we were trying to figure out how to be married. And the man that I, the pastor that I was working on under was like a father figure. I mean, he taught me family and marriage, and 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 I remember having bathroom talk and us talking about when God you're going to do something and what you're going to do and what's our next thing. And I remember God speaking in my heart, "Hey, you know what?" It's time for you to do this. And I'm going to tell you, I was full of fear because I knew what that meant. That meant I had to walk up. My pastor's office had stairs, and I knew I was going to have to walk up those stairs and tell the man who taught me how to be a man that I need to, God's calling me somewhere else. I wasn't mad. I wasn't disgruntled. And I remember one time walking by the stairs, and I'm like, okay. It's game time. It's game time. And I'm like, you know, not right now. <laughs> then a week went by, and my wife was like, have you done it? Have you talked to him? I'm like, it's really hard. <laughs> like, I had all this fear. Because, listen, nobody was handing me any money. We didn't have no people. There was no platform. But we had an altar. And we would pray, God, is this, is this our personal desire to be someone or are you doing a work that that is real and I went another week and I took a step and I was like oh absolutely not and I heard him talk up at the top he was like yeah uh, and I was like ah just kidding and so finally it took me about a month and I walked up those stairs and by the time every step I took it was emotional man I started crying before I as I walked in I'm like <laughs> he's like what is wrong with you I don't even know. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? God sent in me. And I submitted this thought to him, and we waited a couple months, and he tweaked it a little bit. And I, I let him touch it. I didn't tell him what I was going to do. I, I let him touch it. But here's the thing. We chose love over fear. And out of that grew this Be The One Ministries that we take young people, college students. This summer we had five interns. We did 72 outreaches this summer. We did 45 students that went on local mission trips and served in the community. And we launched our first missionaries to Belize. Come on. So here is what I am telling you. What could happen if fear got out of your home and love came in? What would happen to your marriage? What would happen to your family? What would happen to your career? If nobody could steal it from you and God was the one to give it to you, what could you do and what deals could you make? Come on, listen to what I'm saying. That's the deal. The enemy wants to keep us in fear because he does not want us to advance the kingdom in anybody's life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the House website. We hope you have a great week.